0: Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet, please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash Desiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers, and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the $1 level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC movie rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, so the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Thank you. Seven decades ago, the first television adaptation of Superman arrived. Now, it's time to rocket back to the 1952 to 1958 series Adventures of Superman starring George Reeves. In this rewatch podcast, my guests and I break down each episode from its black and white crime drama beginnings to the kid-friendly color seasons as we celebrate one of the most underrated Man of Steel depictions of all time. Welcome to another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss Season 1, Episode 24, Crime Wave, is lifelong Adventures of Superman fan and Mr. Reeves' author, Lou Coza. Lou, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, well, thank you for having me. Hey, I, you know, I thought we were doing Mr. Zero. <laughs> Mr. Zero, zero, minus one. <laughs> oh, we're doing Crime Wave? Oh, okay. All right. Good, good. All right.
0: Crime wave. Here we are. We're at the end. We've made it to the end of season one. Now, in two weeks, we are going to cover Superman and the Mole Men, which of course was later re edited into season one, episodes 25 and 26. But Mm -hmm. that aside, we have come to the end here of season one. It's been quite a journey, and you've been along for the ride behind the scenes. I think you came to the show relatively early on. And you have been so kind and so gracious in your, your words and your support of the podcast. And I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for, for all of your, your, your kind words. Oh, and support. you're
1: welcome. You're welcome. Well, you, you know, I, I just think it's fantastic. And, and number one, um, for you to do this show. And I noticed that you're covering, uh, not only the adventures of Superman, but you're covering a wide range of, uh, you know, Superman history. And it's just amazing. I don't know how you do it. You know, it's, it's outstanding. And, uh, I'm, I'm just happy to be here to, uh, you know, to, um, you know, finish off, you know, season one, uh, which actually, uh, isn't totally finished. Cause like you say, you got Superman and the Mole Men, which really becomes, um, the unknown people, mm-hmm. you know, for television. So this is uh, very exciting, and you know, for a younger generation like yourself to show some interest in, um, you know, the, the baby boomer version of, of Superman, George Reeves, is uh, says a lot for you, and it's outstanding. And I greatly appreciate, you know, the attention that you're giving it, and and you've gone through, you know, all of these great episodes, and to get to you know, a hundred, you know, the hundred and four, and maybe even Stamp Day. I don't know if you know about Stamp Day.
0: It's on the list. We'll do that one too.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that would be nineteen fifty three.
0: We'll hit that. We'll hit George's appearance on I Love Lucy. We will. We'll, uh, oh, yeah. we'll be as thorough as we can be. But no, I appreciate yeah. that. I, yes, my my dance card has been full podcast wise. So my my main uh, other Superman show is digging for kryptonite, and that's where we're covering the character right. across time and media. And I guess that just wasn't enough Superman talk for me because I started this sister podcast series. But honestly, and I've been talking about it over the course of this season, it was born out of the experience I had going through the first two seasons and a selection of color season episodes a few years ago and just falling in love with it. And we did a couple of episodes of Digging for Kryptonite on it, and it just... I just wanted to explore it more and it just mm-hmm. felt like, you know, to your point about giving the show the attention, it just felt like the show deserved it. It deserved to have, have this kind of spotlight where we're going episode by episode and talking about all of it. And the fact that someone like yourself who's who's been a fan of the show for as long as you have, you know, the fact that you've been on board with us, that's that means the world to me and to the extent that we can kind of get get other folks interested in the show. We're thinking about the show again, maybe if they haven't in a while, to whatever extent we can do that, I'm always very happy.
1: Right. By by the way, um, you mentioned the I Love Lucy segment. Um, I had interviewed uh, in 1994, Keith Thibodeau. Keith Thibodeau is the actor who played Little Ricky. Okay. So if you could get Keith Thibodeau for that episode, when you when you uh, do that, that would be outstanding. I, if you're interested, you let me know. I'll hopefully I still have his email because it's been since 2003 since I've communicated with him, um, so I could try to get a hold of him for you.
0: I will very likely take you up on that. I thank thank you very much for that offer. Uh, so I want to I want to hear about your experience real quick. Let me set up this episode that we're going to talk about. So again, this is okay. Crime Wave, season one, episode 24. And uh, February 27, 1953, written by Ben Peter Freeman, directed by Tommy Carr. A brief synopsis here. The first citizen of Metropolis, Superman, wages a one-man campaign to stop a raging crime wave and apprehend the mysterious number one man. Famously, this episode makes extensive use of stock footage and clips, from previous episodes in what I thought was a rather clever way, and, and we'll unpack all of that. But before we get specific with this episode, I really have been very, look, very much looking forward to just hearing more about your perspective on Adventures of Superman. Now, I've had a range of guests on the show in terms of age and when they came to the show, when they watched it, all of that. I've had some folks who grew up watching reruns in the 60s and 70s. Is my math right? Were you watching these as they originally aired in the 50s, or were you watching in subsequent decades?
1: Uh, Subsequent. Okay, Okay. I was born in 1956, and the earliest memory that I have is it was probably 1961, I would guess. Okay, Um, it was being aired on uh, WPIX, which is uh, Channel 11, in the, uh, New York, um, tri-state area. Uh, and, uh, I remember, you know, I, I, you know, when I, in 1961, okay. I couldn't read. Okay. Cause I was too young. And when I saw the end of this show, whatever show it was that I watched, um, you know, I couldn't read the names. So I had asked my father, uh, who, who was he? Okay. Who was Superman? And he said um, it was that's George Reeves, but oh, he he died uh, a couple of years ago, okay. And I didn't really know what died meant, okay. Um, it wasn't until maybe a couple of years later that uh, our dog, we had an Irish setter, and the Irish setter had passed away, and that's when I r- realized what you know death meant. And uh, so I was hooked. I was hooked immediately. Okay. And, um, so it was the early sixties and, you know, I just knew when to be in the house. I mean, I really wasn't one of those kids that, you know, I mean, I did play outside, but you know, there was no ringing of the bell and, you know, you run to the door and you, you know, you get in front of the TV. I just knew, you know, uh, roughly what time it was on. And I made sure I was in the house and, uh, you know, having, older brothers and an older sister who had other TV interests. Um, You know, it was kind of tough to get, you know, control of the TV, but uh, uh, I was so um, wanting to see it that I'm sure my parents, uh, you know, made sure that I got my, you know, my half hour. Okay. And it was just exciting. You know, it was, uh, you know, George Reese, you know, I always knew that it was an actor, Okay. Even though I didn't know what actor, the word actor was never even heard of it, but I knew that he wasn't really Superman. Okay. Um, I didn't look up to him as a father figure. I know many people do. Um, and the reason is because I had a great dad. My, my dad was, you know, you know, he was really wonderful. He was, um, you know, Ward Cleaver. Okay. In a sense. And so, but, you know, anything on television, you know, I knew it was people playing these parts, you know, same with the little rascals, the three stooges, um, you know, anything there was, you know, I I was trying to absorb everything I could, you know, uh, you know, whatever was on million dollar movie, you know, you'd see Hercules, Steve Reeves, okay. Um, Jack, the giant killer. Um, there was just so many things on television. You had like this, you know, even though it was like early, you know, I mean, television was roughly, you know, 10, 12 years old, but there was so much on, you know, and I was just really, you know, glued to it. And, uh, um, I, I watched everything I could, you know, um, you know, Mr. Ed, Walt Disney, um, you know, leave it to Beaver, of course, Dennis the Menace, Donna Reed, McHale's Navy. It just you, you just it was just an explosion of programs. And I'm, I'm sure that it, it it affected my school grades because, uh, you know, they weren't really that great. So um, but 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 watching, you know, the television show, George Reeves, just he just the way he was. OK, the way he came across on screen, um, you see, back then you know, we were getting a dose of not only, you know, they weren't all in order. Okay. Um, so like, you know, let's say Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday might be, um, you know, season one and season two. And then, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm sorry, Tuesday and Thursday, I got my days mixed up. I'm 66 years old. Okay. So, so anyway, um, you know, then there were the the color episodes, but the color episodes weren't shown in color because um television wasn't broadcasting uh in color. We didn't have a color television until 1965. Okay, and then once 1965, you know, there was this big hype, you know, commercials about um you know, programs coming uh in in color. And when it, when Superman came on, it, it really, it, it just exploded. The color just exploded off the television. I just loved it. And, um, but you know, the interesting uh, aspect about, you know, watching the color episodes, but in black and white was that you could easily tell the difference because in the 1950s, uh, well, the first season and the second season, you know, the the costume, you know, you could tell that, you know, like all of this, the death, it was very um, defined. Mm-hmm. OK, now, back then, we didn't know, OK, uh, the general public or the fans. We didn't know that the costume that George Reeves was wearing was brown and gray. Right. OK. Um, so that now when you're watching the color episodes, Okay, the blue and the gray, okay, when you watch it in black and white, tend to almost be uh, slightly variations of 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 difference of of gray. And so you, so you could tell, you know, exactly pretty much which ones were which. And and also, you know, in 1953 George was really at his leanest best. Okay, and then as he started getting into the color years, he you know tended to uh, gain a little uh, weight. You know, he wasn't as chiseled as um, uh, Robert Mitchum once described him. Okay, in his book, as uh, you know, George Reeves had a very chiseled look.
0: Very true, and even for this episode that we're going to talk about, I watched it with commentary on the DVD last night by Chuck mm-hmm. Chuck Harder, and yes. I would say. The dominant theme of his commentary, because he, it came up multiple times, was just how great George looked. He throughout yeah. the episode, just like, man, George looks great, and he does, and and especially watching yeah. this first season, it's just it's it's amazing.
1: Right, right, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, the nineteen uh, fifty-one or the first season, you know, the costume was a little, you know, off in a sense, you know, you could see lots of wrinkles and, but nineteen the second season, that costume looked fantastic. And, and that S, you know, um, you know, it just looked outstanding. The color years, mm, you know, you could still see hints of, of, of what it was, but the 51 and the 53 season. Okay. The, the S is just, the the best S, especially the fifty three season.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I certainly again I'm I'm very partial to these to these black and white seasons. But I'm looking forward yeah. to having some fun with the color years when we get there as well. Now, did were comics part of the equation for you either before or after? Well, I guess not before if you weren't reading yet. But at, but at any point did you did you get into the comics?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. But um, you, you see, what happened is is that on Sunday. Uh, my dad would take us to church. Okay. And uh, so it was, you know, my two sisters, my, my uh, two brothers. Okay. And, um, and what happened is, is that after church, he would take us to uh, what, what was called a Jack's candy store. And it was in Laurelton, New York. And, um, and, and so we would go into Jack's candy store and, you know, you'd walk in there and they had all of those little round seats. Okay. And my brothers and sisters, they would all line up there. Okay. And my father would, you know, give them each a quarter to get an egg cream. Okay. But I, I didn't, I never once bought an egg cream. I never once sat on that stool. Okay. I would go right over to the comic book rack. Okay. Which was in the back and, you know, for, you know, for a quarter, you could get two comic books cause they were 12 cents. And then, you know, for the, uh, the extra penny, you know, I'd get a little bazooka bubblegum. Okay. So yes, I was, I was buying the Superman's, uh, you know, both Superman and action comics, um, Batman and detective. Those were my four prime. And then, uh, you know, and then if, you know, once in a while there would be that annual, which was a quarter, right? And I was like, oh my God, a quarter, it. now it's going to take up, you know, I can't buy two, got to buy only one. Uh, sometimes I'd buy The Flash, um, and then sometimes there were other comics I would, you know, buy, like Dr. Solar, or um, what was it? Uh, Torax, Son of Tarzan, and uh, Brothers of the Spear. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, when it came to Uh, the actual reading of the comic books, you know, very early on, again, I couldn't read. So I, I was looking at the pictures at the drawings. Okay. And I marveled at, I didn't know who the artists were, but, but Kurt Swan just really, um, you know, he was fantastic. And, um, you know, there were others like Al Plastino, um, but, uh, you know they they were just uh, i so to be honest with you i don't know which came first if it was the comic books or the television show i don't remember okay but all i know is i, I knew the differences between the two right you know there i mean y- you don't have super horse you don't have super cat you don't have uh, mr meplexo whatever his name is <laughs> okay and all of that kind of stuff and thank goodness also um, what was drastically uh, missing from the television show was Lex Luthor.
0: Okay. That was one of the things that I wanted to ask you about. There there were a few things that, you know, I've been kicking around as as I'm thinking about the show, mostly things that, that they didn't do or that they didn't explore. And I wanted to just pick your brain. Lex, I think is, is the one that's the obvious it's because especially since Lex had been brought to life before in the Kirk Allen movie serial, right? So there had been a precedent right. for this character on screen and also unlike Mixus Pittalik or these other larger than life characters I can never say it easily able to realize on a on a television budget, right? So I was always curious why uh, I mean and I'm curious do you have any take on on why or maybe insight from talking to people involved why why they never went Yeah, it's went there?
1: mostly insight from other people uh sometimes you know when you're on the discussion boards um, you know, people had their theories and it and it comes down to the budget. Okay. Um but you know, there are times when there are gadgets that, you know, like Lex Luthor has gadgets, right? But they did have them. And so, you know, uh, I mean there was a ray gun that Herb Vigran, you know, shot. You know, there's the uh the the plutonium uh making um contraption that Professor Pepperwinkle has. There's you know, um, in the magic secret, you know, there's, you know, there's a, there's another professor that, you know, they trap Superman down in a, um, uh, a a hole. Okay. And then shoot like these kryptonite rays and there's great effects to it. So I, I, you know, I don't understand why they didn't have a Lex Luthor because he certainly could have fit. And, uh, so, but, but the person that most comes close to Lex Luthor is John Eldridge. That is, you know, he's in this episode, Crime Wave. Yeah. So uh, he, he he's my Lex Luthor, even though he's never called Lex Luthor. He's, he's my Lex Luthor. But I think, it, again, it boils down to the budget. Gotcha. For some reason.
0: I, you know, the other thing, too, was obviously when we watch television today it's so highly serialized and I of course would not expect that level of serialization in a television show from the 50s however I guess that's one of the other things I think about it and maybe that's why I think about it hand in hand with Lex because in my in my head I'm like well there I, I could envision a world where an adventures of Superman Lex pops up I don't know at the beginning middle and end of a season and it's just sort of kind of kind of to like sort of tie things together a little bit as opposed to all of these episodes being so standalone. I mean, again, I guess, especially for the time I understand why they wanted to make each one able to be viewed in and of itself. Right. And not have to follow all the episodes. I get that, but, uh, I don't know. I, I guess that's, that's the other thing I keep coming back to.
1: That is absolutely true. Each, each episode is standalone. You know, they're like little tiny movies and, um, and I kind of like that, you know, um, you know, it, it's you, you, you get something different. But, you know, you'll notice as you watch the episodes that you'll see, um, you know, some of the same actors, OK, in, you know, in like a string of two or th- two or three episodes. OK. And that probably has to do with, you know, the weekly uh, the week schedule where they filmed like two or three episodes. Okay. And they use those same actors. Okay. uh, If you defer to uh, Michael J. Hayes book um, flights of fantasy, you know, he explains, you know, every, you know, film, you know, all the, the sequences of when the episodes were filmed. And he, he really did a marvelous job with that book
0: it's on my shelf and i will be spending some more time with it. That was that was one of the other things i wanted to ask you because and i'm not asking you to speak for the entire fandom, but one thing i've noticed uh, over the course of doing this podcast, i feel like the especially the veteran hardcore adventures of superman fans, there seems to be a high level of interest in the production, the production schedule, the behind the scenes tidbits and everything. And i feel like it's even even more so than with other genre shows and Smallville, Absolutely. for example, is one that I've spent a lot of time thinking about and talking about it. And even there, I just feel like with Adventures of Superman, there just, it's this very intense interest in that production aspect. And I'm curious if, if that's anything you can speak to To, to sort of, it's, it's like, I get it to an extent. It's not like I'm baffled by it. I, I do understand, but I'm yeah. just curious if there's any, anything you could kind of speak to as far as like why you think there is that, like that high level of interest in it.
1: I, I, I really, you know, I think people just like to really read about that. You know, there were, there were two, uh, mag there was a magazine that, um, back to back issues. And I think it was in the, in the eighties, it was cinematographer and it's still a magazine that, that continues. And, uh, Jan Allen Henderson in one issue had explained many, uh, of the production, uh, special effects and, uh, and there was a follow up uh, with another writer, Paul Mandel, and they both did this, you know, this great in depth, um, um, you know, a presentation uh, of all of the special effects, and and you know, people love talking about you know the directors, Tommy Carr, Lee Sholem. and uh, and and just it, it just I, I don't know why you know. Um, you, you, you really don't find that much with many other television shows. Okay. But it's, it's, it is fascinating. And once, once you start reading these things, it's, it's just, you know, it, it really brings you into those times. Okay. Back into the fifties and you start to feel, you know, um, you know, the infancy of television. Okay. And the threat of. Uh, the threat it caused towards the film industry, okay, or the theatrical films, okay, the studios, the Hollywood studios, because early on television was, um, you know, uh, was in uh, New York City. So as they started gaining, um, I, I guess, an audience, they started uh, reaching out to the, the, the studios for, uh, places to film their television shows. And it basically all went out there. So even though, uh, television was a threat to the movie industry, they really worked hand in hand. Okay. And at first, you know, you had a lot of actors that were blackballed if they went into television. Okay. But you had so many actors and they were all you know, wanting to work, waiting to work, going to casting calls, you know, and if you're, uh, if you're limited, you're going to start looking elsewhere. And so they, they looked towards television. Okay. Because to them, you know, it's work, you know, whatever you see on screen is a product. Okay. It's like an assembly line of, of putting together something so that people buy into it. And then, You know, then they then they watch the show and then they see the commercials and the commercials pay help pay for the production. And so there's a cycle there. And so um, it all worked, you know, in the end, it all worked. And eventually, you know, actors started crisscrossing, you know, from film to television. It took a long time. But, um, you know, thank goodness that that settled down and nobody's getting blackballed. Everybody. Let's let everybody work. Right. (laughs)
0: yeah uh, you know it's a fascinating thing even just you know you talk about the initial threat that tv posed to movies and then of course later we'll we'll have the the rise of cable and then in more recent Mm -hmm. years streaming and so there's always these new you know these these new venues and new challenges uh in terms of (laughs) sorting everything out and literally as we're recording this we're in the midst of a writer strike and an actor strike so there's always you know there's always a lot to to sort of navigate especially when we're dealing with these these new avenues so a couple of other questions just about your fandom, because I'm really just fascinated by all of this. Have you, I, I know from my own experience with with Superman and with anything else that I followed in my life, that there there can be sort of an ebb and flow to a lot of this. Your interest in Adventures of Superman, your fandom of the show, has it, has it been a pretty sustained thing throughout your life? Or have there been times where you've kind of been away for, from it and then you came back? What's the cycle of that been for you?
1: Okay. Uh, that's, that's a very good question. Um, I'm going to say that it never left my mind. Okay. But there were times when it wasn't broadcast on television. Okay. So, uh, and, and that's, that's the, the difference between, you know, um, the baby boomer generation and some of the younger generation is that you see in the fifties and the sixties, We never, ever, in our wildest dreams, ever thought that there would be, you know, VCR, okay, where you could record. And, um, you know, it was always, you know, to see that show again, it was reruns, okay? It was syndicated and there were reruns. And so uh, throughout the 60s, it it was, um, you know, pretty much on every day. Okay, um, you know, like in 4:30, uh, 5 o'clock. Okay, um, and but then in the 70s, okay, they kind of gave it a break, and and so what happened is is that you know there was probably you know maybe nine, 10 years that um, I was just wishing and hoping that the show would return to television. But it wasn't until um, in, in New York, WOR, which was Channel 9, okay, started broadcasting uh, two episodes on Saturday morning. And when I saw that, okay, um, you know, that was roughly, I want to say, I think that was 1987 or 88. So there was a long string where it just wasn't on. OK. And, uh, you know, when it came on W.O.R., which to me, it was kind of strange because I was so used to it being on W.P.I.X., right? You see, back in the old days, we associated, you know, uh, certain things with certain stations. OK. And we only had Channel 2, CBS, Channel 4, NBC, Channel 5, W.N.E.W., Channel 7, which was uh. uh Uh, W well, ABC channel nine was W O R and 11 was W P I X and also channel 13. So, which was the public access. And eventually, you know, you'd see, um, you know, Sesame street on Mm -hmm. on those channels. My sisters watched that. But, um, but you see back in, in the day, you, you had to watch it. Okay. You had to be there or else you were going to miss it. And, it turns out that there were two episodes that I had never seen until uh, the late '80s, which was the dog, the dog who knew Superman, okay, and the machine that could plot crimes. So when I got uh, when I when I bought Gary Grossman's book Superman Serial to Serial, and I go down the list of episodes. I look and I see, wow! This two episodes I've never seen, so I saw those finally because uh, W O R was showing them in order, and I and I caught it early, and so I was really looking forward to seeing those two episodes because I was going to see them from a different point of view, which was as an adult. Mm-hmm. Okay, because everything else, you know, I've I'd seen as a kid. And I've seen them, you know, dozens of times each. Okay, and uh, you know, we there was a time we could tell, you know, as the years went on, you know, in in the '60s, okay, you could tell when certain scenes were cut. You knew, hey, they 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 just cut that scene of, you know, Superman moving the um, the pyramid. Okay, to get the what is it the some plant to save Lois in a, a Star of Fate. Okay, now how do you how do you remove you know the probably the best scene of the episode that's Superman's strength, but there were so many other scenes that were cut and and we and you knew it, you know you because you had this keen memory for it. You know you waited for everything and then when something was gone you knew it. Yeah. No, I know some people started writing down what was missing.
0: <laughs> no, it's amazing. Uh, you know, uh, Rich Roney, who's been on the podcast a bunch of times this season uh, and he's the exact same age as you, uh, you know, he's talked about how he missed Superman on earth when he was a kid. And he remembered a kid on the playground at school talking about Superman's origin on TV. And he was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I missed this. And, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't, now obviously we've had DVDs now for, for quite some time, but I, I, Rich hadn't bought them. And, and so it wasn't until very recently, like in these past couple of years, where he finally watched <laughs> Superman on Earth and yeah. you know, closed this gap in his fandom. And, and it's funny. So I'm in my mid-30s. I mean, I grew up with the VCR. But at the same time, I was just talking to my wife about this very recently. Like I remember vividly the first time I saw a season of a show on DVD at the store. And I remember it was Friends. It was like the first season of Friends on, on DVD. And I just remember it blew my mind because it was like, yes, yeah, so there were reruns and you could tape something, but it was like, oh, all of the episodes of this season of a show are here on these discs? It was you know, amazing. It was amazing, right? Yes, oh yeah. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection, as the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Aw Yeah! Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah! for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow All Yeah! on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Oh yeah.
1: Oh, well, you know, there there was a time, uh, I'm trying to think, was it um, roughly around 2000? I think it was about 2002 or 2003. um, We, you know, we still hadn't gotten a box set of The Adventures of Superman. And we were just, you know, you know, we, 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 we couldn't wait for it, but there was a little bit of a, a, hiccup. Um, you know, we, we had heard things that they were having trouble finding, and this is Warner brothers and, uh, that they were having trouble finding some real good quality, uh, episodes. Okay. Uh, they finally got them all, uh, with the exception of the stolen costume, which is, a little is a bit substandard. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I have a better copy of that episode. Okay. By a, a, a gentleman by the name of Dave Warback, you know, had provided that. And he actually asked me to send it to, um, the people, uh, it was probably Warner brothers. Okay. Uh, there was another group, uh, that was actually putting together, the video, uh, the box sets, which was, a uh, uh, new wave. I think the company was very nice people because I was, I was there when, uh, two people I know did the, um, uh, the commentary. Okay. Or, or, you know, some of the special features and, uh, but, but in any case, uh, you know, we waited and waited for those box sets, but up until then it was all just, you know, kind of bootleg. Okay. And, and, some of the quality was good and some of it was not so good. Um, you know, you had people that were able to transfer uh, film, you know, from, you know, let's say 16 millimeter films, which was the 16 millimeters are, is what was used to distribute to the, uh, the television stations across the country. And, and in a way those kind of look pretty good. You know, there's a little bit of grain to them, a slight grain, and kind of when you watch them it kind of takes you back to you know 1961 a little bit you know but you know with uh with the box sets you know they use the 35 millimeter prints uh which uh, is is very clear i don't know if you can bump those up and make them blu-ray but um i know probably a lot of people would buy them if they were put out on blu-ray
0: i would buy them in a heartbeat i've bought yeah, just being about old shows, and I, I reference the Honeymooners all the time. But I mean, I've bought the Honeymooners on VHS, on DVD, mm-hmm. on I have the Blu-ray. It's like you know, and and this is another one where I would I would happily, I would love to have a Blu-ray set of Adventures of Superman. I'm glad I at least have the DVDs because even those, as we've talked about, you know, even those aren't readily available anymore. So
1: right, right. Yeah. You know, uh, unfortunately, um, uh, my first disc of season one for some reason doesn't work anymore. And I remember people talking about that, you know, that there's some sort of, uh, I don't know, something wrong with that disc. So, uh, I wonder how many other people are experiencing that, you know, it's the very, it's the, it's the first disc of, um, of the first box set. Oh, that's too bad. In any case, um, you know, but finally getting them all, you know, in a nice package they're not all um you know there are some cuts here and there but it's not too bad and i think they really did a great job um what is missing that a lot of people love is when the you know the you're watching the episode when it's being broadcast and you know it would be time for a commercial but they, they there's a bumper that 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 appears and it says, we'll return to the adventures of Superman in just a moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, those are missing from the box sets. Okay. And people, you know, that's part of the whole thing. You know, uh, you gotta have those bumpers, you know? And, uh, I mean, it, it's just as important as reading about the productions, you know, about all the, uh, the behind the scenes, uh, the filming and, you know, um, everybody, you know, they want, Everything. Okay. And, uh, so, uh, but it, it really was outstanding that the box sets, uh, you know, finally came out. Uh, they got, you know, Jack Larson and Noel Neal. Uh, they, they kind of held out a little bit because, you know, they felt that if they were going to, um, be part of it, that they, they wanted to get paid, you know, for their time. And eventually they, you know, they, they, um, they caved in and they, and they, uh, and they did it. And we're just, you know, grateful, you know, for that. Now say this, that Noel and Jack were just two of really the wonderful people in, in this whole interest, uh, the way you see them on television, uh, they are, that's them, you know, they are, uh, as wonderful as you see them on television.
0: Oh, that's wonderful to hear. That really yeah. is. Uh, I'm sure I'll have a, at least a couple more questions for you about your fandom, but let's get into Crime Wave here. So Yeah. Like I said, this makes extensive use of stock footage and and clips from previous episodes, and this was within the final batch of season 1 episodes produced, correct? Speaking about the production schedule. <laughs> I did look yes, this up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and What was interesting to me was, like I said at the top, I thought that they did this in a really clever way because you don't really get these anymore on shows and seasons are so short and people can watch them on demand at any time. But when I was growing up, shows that I watched like Friends or even later on like The Office and Scrubs, at least once, not at least, typically once a season in the later years, you would get a clip show at some point, right? And using friends as an example, I remember one where Ross is deciding whether or not to invite Rachel to his wedding and he's holding the invitation and then we see a montage of clips, moments from their relationship. Then she gets the invitation. Then we get another round of of, of clips. And so you would typically get, so I mean, I grew up watching a clip show. I give Adventures of Superman a lot of credit because if they were looking to alleviate uh, their their burden in terms of how much they had to shoot for this episode, You could envision a scenario where Jim and Lois are sitting at the Daily Planet and Jim's like, oh, gee, Miss Lane, Superman sure has done a lot since he got to Metropolis. And then you kind of get that montage. But that's not what they did. They repurposed this footage and crafted the most action-packed episode of Adventures of Superman. I just, I really give them so much credit because I thought that was a really ingenious way of having a quote unquote clip show, but making it something original. What was your take on this episode?
1: I loved it. OK, um, it, it's dramatic. It's dynamic. OK, um, you know, there are some little nutty things that you see. I mean, the, the in the first in the very first montage, the very first clip, you see a guy sliding into a, a water drain. OK, and when you see that, you're like, what? Okay, and um, I mean maybe that's that guy, you know, that clown, you know, that those movies with the clown. He's in the sewer. I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> what happened. Okay, but um, but it, it's outstanding. And and the crazy thing <clears throat> is, there are times. Well, the first montage is, I guess, uh, you know, the police, you know, going from one place to another, and fire engines and. Um, and there's a, you know, there's whole, you know, crazy stuff that goes on. And, um, and at the end of that montage, you know, is a man who he's got his, uh, he, he is, he's a worker on a dock and there's a back, there's a truck backing up into him. Okay. And he screams, right? So that, I don't know if you know this, but that was one of several scenes that was cut out of the, the Maxwell Prince. Okay. Because it was deemed, uh, violent.
0: I'm not so shocked. Think, I'm not shocked on this. Cause as I was watching it, I was like, Oh, that's pretty, <laughs> I think it's pretty re- relatively yeah. gruesome. Right. <laughs>
1: right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is that you might not be shocked because of what you're used to. Right. Okay. Of today's television. Okay. So, you know if you've watched game of thrones right that sets the bar okay nothing's gonna bother you after that okay so but but you've got years and years of television or and movies that have shown you know all kinds of things so seeing a guy a, a truck backing up into uh, somebody you know uh at, you know may not look so bad to you even though it, it's it is bad right so but um But the thing is, is that uh, you know, for back in the fifties, okay, as you know, there was a a Dr. Wertheim, okay, and he was worried about, um, you know, um, you know, what children were seeing in comic books and on television, okay, and so when Kellogg's got to see, you know, you know, those Maxwell prints. you know, they, you know, that was a little bit too much. Okay. Some of the violence in those shows, um, you know, we look at it today and it's mild, right. But back then, um, you know, there was, you know, the culture of juvenile delinquency, you know, blackboard jungle and, uh, you know, um, and, and just things that they, they didn't want, you know, television, you know, especially for children, to see those things. It's one thing if you're watching The Untouchables. That's an adult show, okay? But this is, Superman is mainly a children's show. It's aimed for children. But yes, adults did watch it, okay? But but if you're going to do a children's show, you, you can't have that hardcore adult stuff. You know what I'm saying? hmm Okay, so, you know, children could go, children could watch children's stuff, and adults could watch children's stuff, but children shouldn't be watching adult stuff. Sure. Right? So so they were right to make some of those changes, and uh, Kellogg's, you know, wouldn't sponsor them if they didn't make those changes.
0: Gotcha. Well, at least we, we got the, the, you know, the full version here on, on DVD, but... Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, initially, you know, we are talking about this initial montage and and, you know, we're seeing the the story unfold through those clips and through the headlines that we're seeing that there's this crime wave yeah. rampant in Metropolis. Uh, and then we have this press conference in Perry's office. And there were really there were only two things that I bumped up against in this episode. <laughs> one one of them will come later. The other one is here. But before I even say that, help me out here because I was driving myself crazy. Is this not in my memory, this was the episode where it established that Perry had been the mayor of Metropolis. And that's what IMDB trivia says. Yet I watched this and I, I, I did I just miss it? Where where does this come up?
1: Or is it not in this episode? Uh, you know, I don't think it's in this episode. I, I think it's said somewhere, okay. Um I don't I don't think it's important, okay, to the um, the legend of Perry White. <laughs> okay, I, I think it was just something that was just thrown in there. Okay, oh, somewhere I along disagree. the way, I, I'm sure it He's was. He's also just a scientist, <laughs> you know. But there, there was a uh, an episode where he did, you know, uh, do some science work. But uh, I don't think it's really all that important to uh, you know to get hung up on uh, Perry White being the mayor. It's
0: fat. You know, it's I don't disagree that it was thrown in wherever it was. Again, my memory was that it was this episode. And again, there's that IMDb trivia. But as I was watching it, I did not come across it. So it must be somewhere else.
1: Um, It's got to be somewhere else.
0: And at the same time, though, it's I mean, it's not I'm not losing sleep over this. And it's not the only thing I think of when I think of Perry White. But I love and I've you know, I've mentioned it a bunch of times. when We've been talking about these episodes. I just I love this little wrinkle. Especially given how prominent he is in the city. And his position as editor of the Daily Planet is probably sufficient to account for that. I get it. But I just love this added layer of like, oh, this guy used to run the city. That's why at the end of the episode, when Superman brings the number one man, he doesn't bring him to Henderson at police headquarters. He
1: brings him to Perry's office. That's right. (laughs) I love it. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Uh, that ending is just so brilliant, uh, you know.
0: Yeah, but I wanted um, well, to ask you because gonna... I was driving myself crazy with this mayor of Metropolis because I'm watching I'm like where is it? And I'm going back and I'm rewatching scenes. I'm like, did I miss it? So I don't know, audience, well, if you know what episode it is, please let me know. Otherwise, I'll keep my my eyes and ears out oh, as we I'm make sure our way you'll through get season the, two. Uh,
1: you know the the super <laughs> the super super fans. Uh, somebody will write out. You know, write it on the uh, what is it? YouTube. Yes, though. What <laughs> episode it is? I'm sure they will, because they, I tell you. Some of these, some of these people, you know, they, they got, you know, uh, things down to a Nats eyelash, you know, with things. And, and, they, you know, there was a couple of guys, um, uh, Carl Glass and Don Holmes, you know, they were listing the call used to have a site, uh, glass house presents, and they used to list every blooper. People would write to them and, and, uh, give them, you know, all the little, the, you know, the little things. Uh, but I mean, you know, there's fans, you know, on like Facebook, they'll talk about, you know, paintings that are on Clark's wall. Okay. And they wind up on, uh, Inspector Henderson's wall. Okay. Or elsewhere, you know, they, they just get into, you know, those, those minute details.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. We mentioned the Facebook groups. So I'm a member of a, of a bunch of them. I've posted about the podcast occasionally. I don't do it a lot because I don't want to be spammy about it, but I wanted to let them know because I figured th- these yeah. are the people. Um, and, yeah. I, and I know you've shared it, it too, and I, I appreciate it. I mean, I've seen these groups with thousands of members. We don't have thousands of listeners here. So, I, you know, it, it's always curious to me. Like, I wonder, and even when I have posted, I think when I've posted about an episode that I've done yeah, you know i think you've commented on them uh, you know and, and you've actually listened to the episode and one of our other regular audience members mike thomas he's another one who who does that i've noticed though normally if i do post in one of these groups about one of the episodes what i'll get in response people just quote like people will post quotes from the adventures of superman episode it's it's almost never like oh i'll you know i listened to the podcast right? <laughs> or anything like that uh, and it, it's just interesting to me because i would love to continue to grow this audience here. And so I wonder if a podcast is what other adventures of Superman fans are looking for or not. Or if this, this particular one
1: is not the one that
0: they're looking for. I, you know, I, I don't know, but we're here and I hope more people will,
1: will continue yeah, well, to join us. <laughs> if there are other pods, you know, w- which there are, cause um, you know, I was in one uh, a few months ago, but, but this here, you know, you've got a dedicated you know, to the adventures of Superman. Okay. The other one I, I was on was, was dedicated to, um, if I remember right, more of the Saturday, um, I think it was the eighties or the nineties Superboy television yeah, show. Shout
0: out to our right? buddies at uh, Superman beyond. They've renamed their YouTube yeah, channel, yeah. but uh, and, Tom, Tom uh, was
1: on, Tom was on here.
0: We did, um, we did a night of terror uh, on, on the yeah, show.
1: Yeah. yeah. See, they had me on. Uh, because of the episode Paranoia with Jack Larson and uh, Noel Neal. So, but this is fantastic. you know, uh, keep at it because I'm sure that, you know uh, it, it, it'll grow, it'll grow.
0: It's, I'll say that, and I, again, I don't I don't want to just talk about myself in the podcast, but I will just say I like, I'm really proud of what we've done. and I but at the same time, for people who are looking and, it, and it's interesting too, and what I bring up about people's interest in the production and the behind the scenes, I did start sprinkling in more of that because I sensed that there was an interest in it. But at the same time, that's obviously not our main focus here. And in part because that's been documented so well in so many other places. And so I never want it to be something where I'm just sort of regurgitating what I'm reading. Like I like what we do here where we're talking about the episodes and the stories and the characters and how they connect with other iterations of the Superman mythology. That to me is fun. And that's where I feel I can contribute more as opposed to, oh, I read this bit of trivia, Uh, you know, I'll do it here and there, but I don't, that's not the, the thrust of it for me. But for folks who are looking for more of that, you know, I, 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 I get it. (laughs) I do understand.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, they, they, they like to, for some reason, you know, repeat discussing about the wires breaking and George fell, you know, eight to 12 feet and dusted himself off and, you know, said, you know, Peter Pan flies by wires, but not my Superman so find another way. And that's where, you know, Cy Simonson came in, you know, and he developed the, uh, what do they call it? The pan? I think it is. Okay. And, you know, he would, you know, lay in, in the pan, they would put the costume over it and, um, you know, and then they would be able to tilt them and move him, and, you know, make him look like he was flying, which is, you know, you gotta have Superman flying, you know, um, you know it's interesting in Superman and the Mole Men. Okay, you don't actually see him fly. You see him take off, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't see him fly.
0: You know it's interesting. So I've I've seen. I don't think I've. I will by the time the next episode airs. But I've. I think I've only watched the unknown people um, okay. versions of it. I don't think I've ever watched that original Superman and the Mole Men cut my understanding is they're not they're not vastly different right I don't want to get too far afield here but
1: uh. there, there's um, a several minutes difference okay okay not a lot maybe three or four minutes um, there's uh, it, it's definitely worth watching you know if you can watch both okay um, what people like about the unknown people is you know the narration mm. okay uh, where you're going you know where it's closing out. You know, the ending of one show and then, you know, kind of gives you a a little recap, you know, when you get into the second episode. Okay, so, um, you know, there are, you know, little differences. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you, but uh, it's it's worth it. See it. Yeah. You know, I I love them both. I love them both.
0: Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to comparing them uh, when we do our our final episode here in a couple of weeks of season one. Uh, but yeah. anyway, so back to crime wave, we get this again, this press conference where Perry White announces that, uh, you know, we have to we have to, uh, you know, uh, eliminate this 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 wave of of organized crime in Metropolis. And what was fascinating to me, and I couldn't help but laugh, he has Henderson there and he talks about how Henderson has pledged the support of the police department. And I'm saying to myself, why does this need to be stated this should be an automatic you're the police (laughs) it's your job i don't
1: understand right right (laughs) and you notice it's perry white is the only one who says anything
0: yes
1: (laughs) yeah and he introduces
0: walter Camby, who's the head of this this new uh who doesn't say citizens committee right who doesn't say anything and of course we'll learn more about citizens
1: committee for a clean government yes (laughs) right yeah
0: uh, but the Henderson thing was just funny, and Henderson he just looks so pleased with himself as Perry is making this announcement, and it's just like,, yeah. buddy, this city's falling apart on your watch here, and it it would <laughs> and, and i don't I don't mean to to you know to to poke too much fun, but it, it would be like if Perry said, and the daily Planet is gonna cover this in the news every day, it's like you should <laughs> <It's>
1: the news <laughs> uh, but then yeah, yeah I don't well, know. There's uh, there's a lot more logic these days. Okay, <laughs> I'm just going to defer back to hey, it was a small screen back in the old days, little tiny screen. Yeah, no,
0: it's it's uh, it, it's all good. I uh, you know, and then of course we get you know Perry introduces the first citizen of Metropolis, Superman, and Superman marches in, and uh, you know that's a, you know that's a cool moment. Again, you can make the similar thing like why does Superman need to announce he's doing this? It's like it, you would assume he would be anyway, right. but it just go
1: know, out and do it, just do it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but anyway, that, you know, at least uh, that's our, you know, we get that that original uh, scene there setting right. this up here. And, uh, and, and then we're off and we have, again, a lot, of, you know, more of these montages where you see Superman waging his one man war against crime in the city and just taking out, you know, all of these, all of these goons. And you see all of this, you know, at various points in this episode, especially throughout the first half, um, you know, all of these clips of these fights that we've seen. In, in other yeah. episodes, uh, which, yes, yeah. after watching 23 episodes, you're watching, this like, oh, okay, that's from that episode, that's from that episode. But it still works, I feel like. And in a vacuum, it, it w- really works.
1: Yeah. How, how about when, you know, he'll be standing there with a crook, right? And then just for like a couple of seconds, they're looking at each other. And then Superman holds off and slugs him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, you know, and, uh, you know, and, you know, Kirk Allen always said, if you ever read anything uh, with Kirk Allen, you know, who was the Superman from the the serials, right? You know, he always thought, you know, he felt that George Reeves is Superman, you know, uh, he, you know, with his strength, he would not, he would hit, knock their heads off if he, if there really was a Superman, right? And he hit them that hard, he'd take their head off, you know? But then later on, you know, George just, uh, you know, deferred to a uh, a karate chop. You know, he, he'd hit him in, you know, the neck.
0: Yeah, I know. It's it's one of those things. It's like, of course, if we think about Superman's power level, even even a more modestly powered Golden Age version of the character still.
1: If you were, if yes. you were hitting someone at that yeah, close range I, with I, that force. Yeah. Yes. But I'll say I love that, you know that this Superman isn't almighty, you know um, you know, it, it's great that other Superman, you know, that they can do that with others. Okay. You know, Christopher Reeve, you know, turning the planet, you know, backwards and all, all, all the stuff that they do, I think is, is fantastic. But I like George, uh, you know, I don't, he's kind of like a mild mannered Superman, right? He's a mild mannered reporter, he's a mild strength compared to the others. And I, and I like that so much more because, um, you know, like what, what's the scene, uh, the episode, uh, the mind machine where he gets underneath the plane. Okay. And he's struggling to get that plane that has, uh, Steve Carr Hadley, you know, in it, he's struggling to get it back on course. So you, as a watcher, you're on the edge of your seat. Is he going to do it right? You you know, he's going to do it because he's Superman, but he doesn't do it with just a, you know, uh, with just a little hand gesture. Okay. He's struggling to get that plane back on course. And that's, that's what I think separates, you know, the greatness of, of the television show, you know, compared to the others, because it, other things just come a little bit too easy for superman
0: i hear you it's interesting because i mean i grew up with a with a much stronger version of superman uh, in in various forms of media but i really uh, there's really something to be said for exactly what you just described in adventures of superman in the fleischer animated shorts Even even with something I did grow up with Superman, the animated series, he was not all powerful in that show, too. You saw him sweat and struggle as he was doing those things. And I I, again, I think there's a lot to be said for that. There's something that is very visceral and I think pulls you in when you see the character, you know, sweating a little bit. And yeah, though, I don't I don't agree with this this criticism that you hear a lot about Superman. uh, You know, it's just too hard to come up with challenges for him like there are there are ways to do it but i i think this is one way i think to combat that right where you can bring the powers down a little bit and then he's mixing it up at you know at at at, you know kind of a little bit of a lower level and i think you can you know you it's sort of widens the field kind of of who and what you can throw up against him so right i I love it i mean i there i've been saying it in all these episodes the fisticuffs that he engages in, i love i mean i love it logic aside it's like yeah what shape would these well it's funny too because when he brings the number one man into perry's office at the very end you know guy's pretty pretty roughed up there
1: (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah. well the uh, also there's there's the scenes where um, I mean there's not a lot of you don't see any manhandling, right? But there's the scene where Big Ed Bullock and uh Nick Marone, you know, they're being interrogated by um Inspector Henderson and also Superman. Superman puts his hand on his shoulder. I thought maybe he might, you know, give him one of the, you know, crush his shoulder, you know, speak. Who's the number one who's the number one crime boss? But uh, you know, it's funny about that scene is that um, the narrator says that uh, they have nothing to hold these guys on. Yeah, I don't know if you caught I that. I
0: did. Yep.
1: Yeah, they, you know they don't have anything to hold on them. So you know, but what they're trying to do is get to them. Who's the number one crime boss in Metropolis? Okay, and I was like, I, I couldn't believe when I heard that. You know, they have nothing on them. So how could how could they keep them there? <laughs> no, right
0: so i know that jumped out too it's like okay (laughs) yeah and this number one boss the audience uh, sees these these meetings between the number one man and his underlings the the guys that you just mentioned uh and the first couple of instances his face is obscured you know the first time he's getting a massage and his head is down and you just see the back of his head and then at another point he's Still enjoying his day of beauty, and he's got a towel over his face.
1: Right, right, yes.
0: Uh, and I know later on we have the scene where they're watching the the, the video footage, and we'll get into that. And uh, you know, the, the room is dark, as is discussed in the commentary track for this episode on the DVD. It's like when you watch this now on DVD on a high resolution television. Of course, you can you can see, but if we recognize at the time yeah. on small sets and black and white. Of course, right. you know, it it would still preserve the mystery. Although it's one of those things where we have one new character really (laughs) introduced in this episode. Right.
1: Well, I tell you, when I saw it as a kid, I, you you could see right away, it was John Eldridge. Yeah. You know, uh, it was Canby. Yeah. You know, so it didn't fool me back, back in the day. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Sally, uh, the woman who plays Sally, she steals the show. You know, she's, you know, she goes on her investigating and, you know, she, she uh, spots Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane and Inspector Henderson, and then she goes and this big sweetheart, okay. When she sees when she sees Clark Kent, right, and uh, and then Clark, you know, runs down the alley, right, comes back, and then Superman comes out and takes off. And the way they left it, you know, Canby goes well. We don't really know which can be yet, but we know it's him. But anyway, so he goes, okay, boys, we're in business. So you think, right? What do you think?
0: That they, they figured know out that identity. Clark is Superman. Yeah, that's what right. you think. That,
1: you know, you're thinking that they got him. They got him nailed. And guess what? Whoop Went right over their head.
0: That, that was, I mentioned before, there were a couple of things in this episode. And that's the other thing where... Yeah, right. They hatch this plan where Sally's going to stake out the Daily Planet and she's going to film all of this video footage of everyone because – and we've seen this in other episodes where people have recognized a connection between Superman and the Daily Planet, right? So this this notion has come up a few times of, oh, we can get to Superman through the Daily Planet. And so she's getting this video footage – uh, of everybody and again as noted on the commentary track it's like she didn't have a zoom so it's like when the footage of Lois it looks like she's right in the car with her we can we can uh, you know suspend our disbelief for that but yeah when they're having their home movie night right and they're watching all of the footage that Sally has gathered <laughs> exactly what you Sally. described it's like this the shots of Clark running into the alley Superman coming out and they watch it twice and it's It's very reminiscent of an episode of uh, Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman season one um, with the with the kids who have the uh, like their 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 brains are souped up and they have they have enhanced intelligence. Uh, It's a very similar uh, type of setup there, too. Uh, But, yeah, it's like, well, of course they figured out that that Clark is Superman yet throughout the rest of the episode, it's never Art- articulated and when right. they call the daily planet to talk to clark and sally has the conversation with clark to lure out superman there's at no point does she ever say even or even allude to we know who you are um i'll be honest when i first watched this episode a few years ago i i i just i assumed that no they did figure it out but it was just this dangling thread that the show left out there that like they knew his secret and it was never acknowledged but in rewatching it and
1: hearing your take i was going to say did you rewind it yeah. See, back <laughs> in the old days, back in the old days, we couldn't rewind.
0: Yeah. No, I know. No. So I, you'd go, what? Yeah. Well, and so that's the thing where, you know, now when we're watching it and hearing your take, I, I, I do think it's that they just, they don't, right? Like, is that the, do we think that's the correct interpretation of this? They just don't get it. They think that Clark is running into the alley and like handing a message off to Superman.
1: Yes. Yeah. Amazing. That's it. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they kind of, see, it was kind of, they left you a little bit like they know his secret. But when they didn't, when there was no follow-up, and again, back in the old days, we, we couldn't rewind, okay? So now you, we would, you were left hanging. So, uh, but yeah, the, the, the way it really plays out is that, you know, you know, Clark Kent is the closest to Superman. He could contact him. Okay, okay, boys, we're in business because now the next thing is Sally calls Clark Kent, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, uh, "Mr. Kent, you don't know me, right?" And uh, then she goes into telling him, you know, um, you know, uh, what he wants to do. Well, not at first, but you know, she she tells Mr. Kent the the overall uh, conversation you know, is, uh, you know, that, you know, he's going to give himself up, right? Meet me at Dover's Cliffs at, at 11 o'clock. Okay, so they know that they've got to, Kent is the guy they got to get to, okay, to get the message to Superman, okay? But they, they certainly missed the boat on, you know, uh, getting the idea that Superman and Clark Kent were one in the same.
0: Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. It's incredible, but at the same time, I I feel better about this episode now than I did before because to me, these characters being so dumb that they can't put it together, to me, that's the lesser of two evils when the other option is that they did figure it out, and the show just left that out there as this dangling thread. Right. So I, yeah,
1: very, as, very good point.
0: As much as it's like it's ridiculous that they're like, <laughs> that that would be their takeaway that he was just handing off a message, but it's like okay, that's fine because as has been established on the show, right? If they had known his identity, they would have had a one way trip to that mountain. <laughs> to that, oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah. on the mountain.
1: Yeah. They better make sure they've got their uh their winter clothes.
0: Get your win yeah, get your winter <laughs> clothes. Don't you dare try to climb down. Didn't work out so well oh. for the last couple.
1: <laughs> right. So and, Ace uh, and Connie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so Anyway, so Clark, uh, you know, tells Perry to hold hold the paper. He's gonna go, uh, you know, and 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 follow up on this. And you know, interestingly, I, in most episodes, I feel like Lois would have been right after him. But they had established in an earlier scene that there's some skepticism. Uh, people are kind of split within our within our group here of whether or not the number one man actually exists, or if he's this myth. So I think that at least helps account for why Lois doesn't chase after Clark. Because in most instances, right. it's like Clark, you have a lead. Like she would be right there, but. She's oh, really. Yeah. She doesn't think that this guy oh, actually exists.
1: Oh yeah, in, in modern shows, okay, um, Lois would have you know ran out into the hallway and said, Clark, I you know, um, I, I I like you, and uh, but I love Superman." <laughs> you know, I mean, in today's television, you know, they would really have, uh, you know, uh, expanded on that. You know, they because they always got to throw in that love relationships, but not, not in, not in back in the day, you know, there was no, they, they couldn't show that, you know,
0: I know that's one of those other things. We're talking about Lex Luthor Think, you know, things that you would, you would kind of typically, uh, you know, expect to see on a Superman show the, you know, the, the romance certainly, but obviously we've yeah. other shows have really leaned into that. So it, it all balances out, but this leads to sort of our, our big, you know our big climax here, where Superman shows up at this location, and uh, you know we have the, the underlings and the professor who has set up this chamber. Uh, that when Superman walks into it, the doors close, they trap him in there, and he's you know trying to feel for a way out, and he can't get out. And then the professor throws you know adjusts all the dials and throws the switch, and it's this this web of electricity that uh, that 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 just uh, engulfs Superman, and he's he's in pain. Uh, And George Reeves, man, man, did he go for it?
1: He really, he really sold it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I tell you, I, uh, I fell for it hook, line and sinker. I, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, how's he going to get out of this? I mean, he's, he's down and out. Okay. I thought, not that I figured he would be dead, but I really bought into it that he was laid out. Okay. Um you know, that he was incapacitated and, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, what was the superpower there Did he, was he, uh, was it stopping his heart? Was that a, was that a superpower? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah. But. No, uh, no, I was curious, your reaction. I, thank you for sharing that because I, as yeah. I was watching it, I was like, yeah, I wonder for, for a kid watching this, you know, in the 50s, 60s, so whenever you watch it, but as a kid watching this. And seeing Superman, and, and we hadn't seen th- that, something like that on the show before, no. right? And so, Mm-mm. you know, to, to see him uh, apparently in such pain and being tested in a way that we haven't seen before. And yes, even though you figure, well, he's probably not dead, but you don't know how he's going to get out of it. Like, what is the twist? I no. mean, as it turns out, he's, he's no. playing possible. but you don't, you know, we don't know. So it, it mm-hmm. I can imagine it would really have kept you on the edge of your seat.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I Again, I, I fell for it all the way. You know, and and then when he got up, I was like, Duh.
0: <laughs> were you were you were you were you pleased with that reveal that that's what that's what had been going on, that he was just he was just faking it? Was that satisfying? Yeah,
1: I thought it was great. Yeah, I loved it. It, loved
0: it, it. it works. And I think especially in this context where because, look, you could argue, like, well, why did he even need to do that? But it it drew out the number one man, right? Like, he yeah, he in. had to
1: get. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. he had a lore you know, the number one, you know, the number one guy out. Okay. So no, it, it worked. It definitely worked. It was such a, you know, it was a dramatic scene, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the fight scene, but e- even better than the, you know, the punches given was when he went over to that wall, um, that wall unit. Okay. And he just tore it off the wall and threw it, you know, to the ground. That was just, wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: I mean, like that's the thing. Well, it, what's funny too about this episode or, or interesting is that as we've been talking about making our way through season one, these episodes are so Clark heavy and I love that. Right. And typically you get, you get just enough Superman, right? You, you get your spectacle and uh, you know, we always need him to save the day at the end, but so much of these episodes follow Clark. This one really it, you, it's, we're, we're with Superman for the vast majority of it. It's very minimal. Clark, obviously, you know, utilizing all the clips and just the, the, the nature of this one. But, uh, you know, this was kind of a flip on the, that formula that we'd seen. And especially to see him here again, throwing those punches and like you said, ripping those panels off and, you know, punching the hole through the door. Like you really got to see him cut loose in a way that, you know, you hadn't hadn't quite gotten before. It was very, very effective.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, he really slugged that professor, you know, (laughs) I was like, whoa, that little guy. I mean, the guy was, you know, half his size. He he took him out. Yeah. You know, but it it was all very dramatic, you know, and I loved it. You know, as a kid, loved it. You know, still watching it as an adult. You know, I still love it. You know, um, you know, it's not Star Trek. okay, by any means. But uh, but I'm going to say that the, the Trekkies have nothing on the Superman fans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. And uh and then we get that you know that final scene where he brings uh Camby, now revealed as the number one man, to Perry's office. And uh you know, interesting too, we have this this other little bit where uh you know, Perry in a in a previous scene when they were waiting for Clark, he expressed faith in Clark. He's like, He's never let me down before. I right? guess they're waiting and they've been holding the paper yeah. and Clark still hasn't come back. He's like, you know, he's never let me down. And then in this final scene, Perry's, you know, given up and he's like, Oh, Clark. And then of course Superman shows up with with Clark Kent's you know page one story. Uh yes. and, and shows Camby who's looking, you know, a little little worse for wear there. Oof. And I
1: tell you, he knocked it out of the park. Yeah. You know, uh George Reeves, he he knocked it out of the park. You know, when he came in and he delivered that there is no more, you know, crime, Boston, Metropolis, you know, that whole thing, boy, it was wow.
0: That was very, I thought that was very well done, that there's no more number one crime boss in Metropolis anymore. Right. You know, I've, I, you know, I, my mileage is varied on these buttons at the end of each of these season one episodes. They're like some, the, some they've really stuck the landing. Others have felt a little, little awkward, but this, this was perfect. I really thought yeah. this, this was a wonderful capper uh, to this episode. Yeah,
1: oh yeah. You know, just a couple of um, tri- uh, trivial uh, things, uh, more of the voiceover when Perry white is waiting for clocks right to come with the uh, uh, with the news um you know Perry turns on his uh speakerphone right and he says um oh uh, the, the the person that comes over the intercom he says um oh let, let me just I, I have the note here if you don't mind sure. me just take sure. a quick look here Okay, um, uh, da, 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 da. Okay. so, oh, he goes, um, Composing Room Murphy, right? That is the voice of Steve Carr. Ah. Okay, Steve Carr, he, he's done a, a couple of, um, you know, voices in the distance here and there, and he's had several uh, episodes he's been in, he's, he's credited as the, uh, dialogue director. Okay. So again, you know, you know, the fans love talking about this kind of stuff, you know, they love, you know, searching for places where, where Steve Carr has shown, shown up. Um, and as you know, he's the brother of Tommy Carr. And I had asked, uh, Jack Larson, okay. Why Steve Carr never returned okay, to the second season, because he became, you know, a, a big, you know, favorite, um, you know, having, you know, uh, all of these roles that he did. I mean, what was it? Madame Charpentier in double trouble, mm-hmm. you know, he was great, you know? So, but, uh, what, what Jack had told me was that, um, they were, you know, the, the studio was getting complaints, uh, that, uh, yeah, I guess nepotism you know, that Steve Carr was getting all of these parts, you know, because of his brother. And it's unfortunately that it ha- that, that that's what happened, because uh, I know everybody I talk to, they love uh, Steve Carr. You know, he was a child actor. His mother was uh, Mary Carr. She was a, a silent screen actress, you know, dating way back to the, you know, or early films, you know. So, uh, you know, he has quite a history but nobody really we don't really know a lot about him.
0: It's know? interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's the MVP of, of this first season he pops up so many oh, times, in such, such a, a variety of roles. Yeah. That's, that's too bad. I, I think I, you had shared that uh, over Facebook at some point. Um, but thank yeah. you for explaining that here because yeah, it, it, it definitely is a curious thing. It's like, well, what happened to him? It, it's It's unfortunate too, because it's like, you know, I feel like nowadays, and we just had this whole wave of the whole Nepo baby discussion, right. In in this larger (laughs) cultural discussion about it. But uh, you know, for that to have been the reason back then is is interesting. Interesting. But at least that helps account for it because um, yeah, yeah, for him to appear as many times as he does and then, you know, to just kind of fade away. um, Yeah. Too bad. Yeah.
1: I mean, he would have, he would have been still a, you know, a great addition, you know, to the show.
0: Yeah. I look, I every every time we talk about him it's like I feel silly, but when I first watched these episodes, I mean, I wasn't watching them as closely. I wasn't watching them for the purpose of talking about all of them one by one in, in this detail. And it really didn't dawn on me the first time around a few years ago that I was seeing the same person pop up so many times. I mean, I I think I made the connection at a certain point, but I still I still wouldn't have realized he was in as many episodes, but I think Part of that is he did such a great job, right? Embodying yeah. all of these oh, yeah. different characters. It's not like he was yeah. just doing oh, the yeah. same thing
1: in all of them. Yeah, you like the utility man.
0: Yeah, very, yeah, very you much. Know?
1: So, uh, oh, so speaking
0: about guest cast, so you mentioned um, John Eldridge as, as Canby, Barbara Fuller as Sally, Al Eben as Big Ed Bullock, Philip Van Sant as Nick uh, Maroney, Bobby Barber as Tony the Masseur, Joseph Mel as the Professor. Uh, that's our guest cast for this episode. Um, e- was there anything, any other tidbits, any other trivia, anything of note of any of these guest stars that you wanted to mention?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, well, Phil Phil um, Van Zant, he was in some uh, Three Stooges episodes. Okay, Bobby Barber was in um, you know uh, some Abbott and Costello movies um, and also the Abbott and Costello television show. Um, if you've ever seen Abbott and Costello, uh, meets Frankenstein, uh, you know, he he's in that, but, but, uh, very short, you know, small scene, um, John Eldridge, you know, he, you know, his acting career dates back to like 1934. I, I think he's, you know, if you, if you look at IMDB, okay, it looks like he's in way over a hundred movies or, or, and television shows, you know. He was in, you know, some, you know, Leave It to Beaver, you know, uh, I Love Lucy, but he, you know, a lot of cameo, not cameo, a lot of small parts. But, but there are a lot of um, uh, films that he was in, and I, I wrote it down, okay, because I wanted to bring that up. Um, oh, that he was in, he he was in, um, well, he was in Perry Mason, he was in a lot of westerns, but. He was in um, the Paul Newman movie, uh, Somebody Up There uh, Likes Me, okay, where Paul Newman plays Rocky Graciano. Um, Angels in the Outfield, he played uh, a doctor. Uh, he had a great part in a movie called Backlash, very film noir uh, kind of thing. Um, so he, and, and, and best of all, okay, he's in a movie called Always a Bride. Okay, and it's a movie uh, that stars George Reeves. Okay, and they both play, um, you know, characters that are competing for the love of uh, Rosemary Lane. Okay, and I think it's one of George Reeves' best uh, movies outside of Superman. And if you've not ever explored some of those, Uh, there are some terrific movies he was in. He was in, you know, bar 20 and man at large. And, and of course you you probably know he was in gone with the wind, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, He played, um, uh, he played a great bandit in a movie called ride cowboy ride. And, uh, you know, so if you've ever, you know, decide to just check out some of those, you'll find that, you know, George, George, comes across on as Superman on screen. He does so well. Okay. And it's because of all the work that he's done before that. Okay. Uh, that, that's, you know, he shines on Superman, but his, his great, some other great stuff are the, other early things. He's, he was a Shakespearean actor, you know, got his training at the uh, Pasadena playhouse. Okay. And, um, you know, which is not to say that Superman was beneath him; it, it gave him great fame. But um, you know, there's more to George Reeves than Superman.
0: Yeah, that's some, I would be I would be interested in exploring more of his filmography, and maybe we'll even do special episodes of this podcast or, or something on it. Because um, yeah, yeah I, sure. I mean, I love I love his performance as Superman so much, and and yeah, I would be curious again. It, George Reeves, in and of himself fascinating right there's a lot He's there's a, gr- a lot great there. actor yeah uh so no i will i will definitely i will definitely make note of that uh so oh yeah, yeah, no go ahead
1: if i could yeah if i could i i do have one other very trivial thing okay now when the opening credits appear right more powerful than a locomotive and finally you get to look up in the sky it's a bird that's george reeves Wait, is it really? Listen, listen to it very closely, and you'll hear his voice. Okay. Now, the other thing is, and I I can't prove this, but I think it's it's I think that's his hand. When let me just fix this here. You know, shooting the gun. Yeah. Right. I believe that's George Reeves' hand, but I can't be a hundred percent sure. Hmm. But definitely, look up in the sky. That's George Reeves.
0: Oh, interesting. All right.
1: Yeah, I'll,
0: I'll listen more closely next time. Very cool. Because uh, it's not. It's a. Uh, wh- what does it? Stephen Carr says it has one of those lines in there, right? In that opening. Uh
1: yes. Well, I no. He doesn't actually have the line. He's just. He one po- has the moment where he points. Gotcha. Like there's the crowd. Yep. And then the person pointing is Steve Carr.
0: Okay. All right. All right. I'll go so, back and, and, and listen again. Uh, that's great. Yeah. So, so
1: George chipped in on that yeah. opening.
0: <laughs> All hands on deck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, the last thing we do typically is we give our rating uh, on a scale of one to five fedoras, uh, how much we enjoyed the episode that we discussed. So uh, on a scale of one to five fedoras, how many would you give Crime Wave?
1: Well, I'm totally biased. <laughs> okay. Okay. Five being the best. Yes. I could never let George down Aww. five. <laughs> I'll give it a 10. Aww.
0: That's great. That's great.
1: Yeah. I loved, I loved the episode and I'm very glad that you, um, you know, asked me to do this one and I'm going to mention why, because when I was going for my master's degree, okay. Um, I had to do a lot of, uh, presentations. Okay. And, uh, you know the scene where uh, Superman is at the podium? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I printed that out as a, a screenshot. I printed it on my uh, HP com- uh, computer um, or printer, I should say. And what I did was I took that, you know, 8 by 10 piece of paper with that image and I put it in the sleeve of one of my uh, binders. Okay so that when I would go up in front of the class, okay, um, I would have that binder on my desk, okay, so that I could see him, okay? There was one kid, one guy in the class thought that was a little odd, but it actually gave me a little bit um, confidence, okay? Uh, Because getting up, as you know, getting up in front of a, classroom or a crowd isn't always the, you know, the, the, you know, the easiest thing to do. You know, if you really, really know your subject, okay. In and out, you're going to, you're going to ace it. Right. Okay. But with all subjects that you get uh, in school, you know, you're not always, you know, uh, you know, you're not always an A student on in every subject. So, but anyway, we had to do these presentations and I always made sure I put that little book binder that held that picture, you know, of, of George, you know, at the podium because, uh, it kind of helped me get through it, you know?
0: No, I, I I can identify with that. And I love that. That's great. Look, we we talk about this character, whether this on this podcast and my other, when we talk about this character and what he means and what he inspires and we, I, we all derive something from, from following this character. And, and so, you know, even something like that, where you can look at, at that image of, you know, your favorite representation of the character, right. At a moment yeah. where maybe you need a little boost and it can provide that, you know, that, right. that, that, that's fantastic. Um,
1: yeah. Well, uh, yeah. It, it, me, if I can mention one other thing, uh, another experience, and I don't want to take your show too long cause I know <laughs> right. uh, it, it can get long, but. I was, uh, traveling to Ireland back in 1996 and, uh, I got to Heathrow airport and, uh, you know, I went to go buy, and that was in England, by the way. And I went into, uh, a, a little shop to buy a magazine and there was a magazine. Okay. I, it was called, I guess, SFX. I think it was, I still have the magazine, um, and it had, um, Dean Cain on the cover with Terry Hatcher and they were wearing, Terry Hatcher was wearing a, um, uh, like a superhero costume. Okay. So he was on there as Dean Cain, a Superman next to him was Terry Hatcher. I don't know the name of the episode, but I, um, but I bought the issue. Now, when I flipped through it, okay, there was a little image of Superman, George Reeves, So we got on this airplane to go from Heathrow to uh, Ireland, okay? And I want to tell you, it was one of the scariest flights of my life, okay? And I've been on some scary flights. So what happened is, okay, you're flying, and it's complete fog, okay? And the plane is going up and down, and all the people on the plane – they're all singing. This is all Irish people. They're singing. Okay. You, you can't believe it. They're singing like Irish, you know, folk songs. Okay. While this plane and all I could do is focus on this picture <laughs> of George oh, wow. Reeves. Okay. That was what got me through that flight. But it was a, it was a wonderful experience listening to all these people sing. But, uh, I, I tell you, wow. You know? What an, an experience. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> I mean, it was, you look out the window, you couldn't see anything and the plane is hitting turbulence like there's no tomorrow and you just don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, I just kept looking now, you know, most people would, you know, turn to religion, right. You know, and start, you know, take out their rosaries and pray to the God. And I'm, I'm sure I, uh, you know, prayed to God a little bit, but uh, George helped me through it too.
0: Yeah. Listen, we, we, there's something very powerful that we derive from these characters and as Superman fans, yeah. I think we, we feel that even more so with this character. So, uh, I'm glad yeah, that George could be be, could be there for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You you look for the strength.
0: Absolutely. Uh, sorry. Right, so five fedoras from you. Uh, I don't want to be a downer. I'm going to go three, but I enjoy this. Like I enjoy this. It was a very clever okay. use, a very clever use of the stock footage and the clips and everything. Uh,
1: Absolutely. You
0: know, but uh, it was still, of course, still very heavy on that. And the, the, the you know, our, our bad guys not being able to figure out the secret identity
1: is <laughs> very hard to get. Right, past. right. Yes. But, yeah, but I, but, I know. But, but I still love it.
0: No, that's great. So one of the last things I wanted to ask you, since we're, you know, now here at the end of season one uh, and – this might be a really easy thing to answer, or maybe it's hard because you love them all so much. But season one in particular, is there is there an episode that you would you would say this is my favorite?
1: Hmm. I, I haven't thought of that question uh, before because uh, I, I I love them all. Yeah, and know. if you
0: can choose, it's okay.
1: <laughs> but no, that's okay. Um, I love Ghost Wolf which was the episode before this.
0: Oh my God. Right? You might want to skip that episode. You might want to skip the, uh, that episode of the podcast. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry in that's advance. Okay.
1: <laughs> we, no, that's all right. I love so many, Gold but Smith. not
0: that one. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I love the ending, you know, where, um, you know, well, first, you know, when Lois is all upset and she takes, you know, her luggage and she throws it in Clark's hands, right? And he just kind of follows her along you know, out to the, you know, to go to their cabin. Um, Then the ending when he comes back and and the water drips off of his fedora. Okay. Um, You know, and then there's the legend of, you know, the, you know, him falling. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, from the wires. But uh, I mean, uh, it's not probably my number one. I mean, uh, but it's the one I can think of that I really, uh, I I, I love them all. I, I can't help it, you know, Superman on earth, you know, outstanding. He walks out on the, you know, uh, the ledge, you know, comes yeah. into Perry's office from, uh, from the ledge. I mean, whoa, you know, and Dabs Greer, you know, Dabs Greer, I met Dabs Greer. So, um, you know, so, uh, you know, he's in that episode and a couple of others. So, uh, it, it's for me, it's, it's a tough call to, to pick one a favorite because I I, I love them all.
0: No, I I love to hear that. Uh, so yeah, by the time this episode comes out, people will have heard our Ghost Wolf discussion. Yeah, I was not so hot on that one though. There were things that I liked in it, and we talked about that. But yeah, uh, for me, especially <clears throat> coming off of what I felt was like a really strong run of episodes before it, it just kind of was a little bit of a of a letdown after the the, the ones before, it, like Czar of the Underworld, <clears throat> which I was a huge fan of. But uh, in any event. One. uh, This is such a maybe a minor silly question, but one thing. While you're here, let me ask you this. One thing I've noticed, Clark. Clark is only ever wearing, except in Superman on Earth, when you see him on the farm before he before he leaves. Throughout the rest of the season, you only ever see him in his suit or his Superman costume, or I guess his his robe at home. Yet there are instances like when he goes to Haiti with Perry White, or when when they're when they're in the woods for for Ghost Wolf, where it would seem like an opportune time to, to change up his attire to suit the environment. Yet he's always as Clark just in that suit. It, was that just a budget thing or like what was going on there?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. I, um, they shot fast, you know, yeah. they had, a, a, a you know, these scripts and, uh, they, they just kept it close to the sleeve. You know, they didn't, um, you know, they they didn't really expand too much. But, uh, you know, but you, you you'll, in the color episodes, you'll, you know, Superman Silvermine, you'll see Clark uh, in his pajamas and uh, in a bathrobe. OK, uh, so but but they they really kept it close to the sleeve, yeah. you know, and uh, I, you know, I, I don't know why. You know, maybe it's just a product of the times. You know, if you watch Father Knows Best. Right with Robert Young, okay. He's always wearing a suit.
0: Yeah. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's just I feel like when he's in the jungle or the woods, like <laughs>
1: this guy oh, yeah. something else to wear. Well, well, you know what? Yeah, yeah. You you will see uh, in the col- color episodes. There's, um, well, no, uh, in the '53 uh, um, season, there's uh, jungle drums. Okay, yeah. that he's not wearing the Clark Kent okay. outfit yeah. or right. Um then there's Dagger the one Dagger Island he's um trying to think was he wearing the Clark kent suit? I'm not sure, but I know the other th- there was another jungle um there was another jungle one where he wasn't wearing the Clark kent outfit. But uh but they didn't deviate too much, you yeah. know. But uh so but let me ask you. Yeah. Did you give any episode of season one a five yes yeah, yeah. yeah you did I did okay
0: it, you know it's killing me because I, I, I should have just been keeping a running list so that I could easily reference it and I have not
1: so yeah <laughs> I don't right
0: right know offhand, yeah. but uh I I feel like mind machine I gave a five I love, love Mind it. machine I I think stolen costume I gave a five uh love zara the underworld if not a five if four and a half that was really up there so I think yeah. I know why why?
1: When the dummy hits the the wall? Oh yeah. <laughs> when he's carrying the dummy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Clunk.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is that. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I there there. I mean, I can. I, you know, I I won't I won't uh, again. We'll we'll wrap this up here. But uh, like in my head, I I can sort of I feel like there are maybe three tiers of episodes for me as I look at season one. The ones that there were a few that really just didn't work for me. There's uh, you know a bunch that. We're just kind of, I don't want to say middle of the road, but like they were solid. I enjoyed them. I, you know, I don't know how much I'll, you know, be going back to them in the future, but I enjoy them. And then there are the ones that like, really, I thought were, were particularly strong. So, you know, look with anything you, it,
1: evil you know, three. Yeah. I evil think, three. Is I feel like that was a five.
0: That was probably a five. I have to go back and, uh, yeah. and listen to all of the, the ends of the episodes and, and make my list. But yeah, no, there were a bunch that were, were really up there for sure.
1: If you know, uh, Jan Allen Henderson. Mm hmm His, um, Elsa, okay. Um, Cecil Elliott, who played Elsa is his godmother. Mm. Okay. And when he was a little boy, okay. He was watching that episode. Okay. In the presence of Cecil Elliott. And when she would watch that show, you, you, do you recall how she laughed, uh, you know, Uh, on that show? Yeah. Well, he, as a little boy, he's seeing her really laugh like that and seeing her laugh on television. He it had to be a, a, a strange experience for him.
0: Absolutely. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. So listen, anything that we didn't talk about in this episode, we'll save it because if you're game, I would love to have you back when we get into season two.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be great.
0: Uh in the yeah. meantime, I really, you know, th- we were talking off mic, obviously we've been, we've been exchanging messages over Facebook, but this is the first time that we've actually spoken. And I, I really, really enjoyed this. And I thank you so much for your time. Uh, this, this really was a treat. I mentioned at the top, you're the author of Mr. Reeves. Do you want to direct people to, to where they could find that if they want to give it a read?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, you could find it at, uh, Jim Bower's uh, website, uh, caped wonder. And, uh, You you go down the, um, I think the pull down menus, you'll eventually find it, but it's the story of George Reeves. Okay. Um, you know, I've kind of studied his whole life, you know, for the longest time, um, you know, met a lot of great people because of it. And, uh, you know, I was in the house of, uh, in 1990. Five, in June, 1995, I, uh, did a walk through in George's house. So when you see, if you happen to, uh, get to those pages where you're inside George's house, that was all done from memory. Okay. How I, you know, set that all up. Okay. Um, uh, so, you know, it was, um, you know, a, a terrific experience for me to get that all out. There was, you know, really much more I wanted to do with it. Um, but, uh, I, I think I got, you know, the message there and I hope people, you know, find it interesting. And, um, you know, so it tells the story of, uh, you know, George's life and eventually, you know, getting towards the, um, you know, the tragic death of him, which, uh, you know, it's, it's all fascinating and it's unfortunate for the, you know, uh, you know, for, um, for all, you know, whatever you could say about it, it's, it's just a, a tragedy for, you know, for him. Uh, it, it's, if he had continued on, you know, he probably would have been doing, you know, guest appearances on, you know, other shows, you know, for a while until he got reestablished, he wanted to do a couple of films, um, that he was, you know, trying to, uh, uh you know, uh, get funding for. So, um, so if you, if anybody was to, um, you know, read that and be interested in discussing it with me, uh, you know, they can reach me at, uh, looper 56, uh, dot, uh, at AOL.com, you know, so I always enjoyed, you know, talking about George Rees in any capacity, you know, not just, the, the death, but, uh, you know, life, uh, especially,
0: yeah. Well, I hope everyone will, will check that out. Uh, and that's uh, very gracious of you to give your contact info. And I hope people will take you up on that. Um, it, you know, again, it, I, I, this was great to hear from you. You have such a wealth of knowledge about the show and about George Reeves and, and a real love and passion for it. And so just to, you know, to to hear from you and ask some of these questions that, that I've had, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's really been great. So uh, I thank yeah. you. I hope everyone Well, if will, you
1: could get a hold of, uh, you know, if you're interested in Keith Thibodeau, you'll let me know. Uh, I think other great people that would be, uh, uh, an asset to your show would be like a Jan Allen Henderson. Okay. Also, uh, I think he would have fun with this. Okay. And also, uh, Michael J. Hayde. Okay. Uh, Mike would be a fantastic, you know, person to talk to about any episode.
0: Yeah, well, we have we have a lot of episodes to go, so uh, hopefully, he uh... has
1: to do uh, Mister Zero Zero Minus One. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Well, Lou, thank you again so much. Audience, thank you as always for tuning in. Make sure you come back in two weeks. We'll be talking about Superman and the Mole Men, a.k.a. The Unknown People, Parts 1 and 2, which will close out Season 1. Thank you. Uh, We'll be joined by Ed Gross, author of the uh, oral history of Superman called Voices from Krypton, which is available now. I'm really looking forward to uh, bringing him on for the first time to talk about all of this. That'll be good. Yeah, so make sure you come back in two weeks for Superman and the Mole Men course as right. always and and yeah and yeah. no, never
1: ahead. worry about whether you you don't score a five on things it's okay you know uh, um it, it, it these are your perspectives
0: yes you know and oh, so yeah. it's great yeah great.
1: <laughs> no you no know, no we, I, yeah. we we baby boomers tend to gloss over a lot okay of the show we tend to you know we we see that when we see the wires or we see certain things are a rip, you know, maybe there's a rip in, you know, the S somewhere, right? It, it's all part of the charm of the show.
0: Yeah, no, honestly, like, and I've said this, the any sort of limitations production wise, uh, to me, that that also does just contribute to its charm, right? Uh, But yeah, yeah, when we talk about these things, I do talk about things I don't like. And yes, I'm sure there are fans who just only want to celebrate the show. And that's fine. Ultimately, I, of course, I do still consider this a celebration, but I also have to be honest. And, you know, and I don't ever worry because honestly, if someone's ever turned off because. I express a negative opinion and they don't want to hear it. That's fine because there, it would not, it would not be the kind of show I would want to do if I was just like, oh, I like no. I just gushing about it, right? I have to be honest in both directions. And when I say I really like something, you know, I really like something.
1: Like I mean it. So that's right. That's right. Uh, so yeah. that, that's admirable and uh, it's a great trait. <laughs> and I love what you're doing.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate that. All right, yeah. audience, come back in two weeks. Adventures await. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network. Home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.